Welcome to Your Strata Property, the podcast for property owners looking for reliable, accurate, and bite-sized information from an experienced and authoritative source. To access previous episodes and useful strata tips, go to www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. Hello and welcome. I'm Amanda Farmer and this is Your Strata Property. Today we welcome Dr. Hazel Easthope to the show. Hazel is a Senior Research Fellow at the University of New South Wales. Throughout her career, she's worked on numerous research projects in the housing and urban policy area. Hazel's main area of research is residential decision-making and satisfaction, with a particular focus on the experiences of apartment residents and owners. Recently, Hazel and her colleagues at the University of New South Wales conducted a study which asked an important question. How do we effectively redevelop older strata buildings to achieve the higher densities needed to accommodate population growth without leading to inequality and social disruption? The answer to that question, together with the results of some very detailed research, was released at the end of 2015 in the form of a report. That report is called Renewing the Compact City, Economically Viable and Socially Sustainable Approaches to Urban Redevelopment. With this extensive research under her belt, Hazel is here today to talk us through this often anxiety-ridden topic of strata scheme redevelopment and renewal. Welcome, Hazel. Hi. Lovely to have you with us today. It's lovely to be here as well. Hazel, why do you think it's so important that people living in and owning strata units are aware of and understand the concept of urban renewal? The reason strata residents and owners need to know about urban renewal is there's been an increasing amount of talk in Sydney about the potential to renew areas with older apartment buildings. Basically, what urban renewal means is redeveloping land. So there's a couple of reasons that there's been more and more talk about redeveloping older strata units. The first is that we've got quite a lot of older apartment buildings that at some stage are going to need pretty substantial major repairs or might even need to be demolished and replaced. And on the other hand, we've also got government policies that are trying to increase housing density to provide more housing and to make more efficient use of the infrastructure and the services that are in cities. And older low-rise and medium-rise apartment blocks are often in areas with a high amenity where high-rise blocks could be put. Mm. It's also really important that strata owners know about these issues because the laws changed in New South Wales to make it easier to renew strata buildings, so to make it easier to knock them down and rebuild them. And essentially, the new laws are changing the balance between valuing personal property rights on the one hand and the goals of urban renewal and high-density development, like increasing density on the other. Mm. So it's a pretty substantial social change that's occurring. So if you're living in or investing in strata or thinking about it, it's important to be across these changes. Absolutely. So you mentioned some changes in legislation. Can you talk us through what those changes are and how you think they might affect people in strata? Sure. So at the moment, before you can knock down and redevelop an apartment building, a strata building, the strata scheme has to be terminated. And what that means is that the owner's corporation has to be dissolved. And until now, making the decision to terminate a strata scheme has required 100% of owners to vote to terminate the scheme. So all owners have to agree that they want to do this before it happens. But the new legislation that's been passed through the parliament changes that proportion to 75%. And essentially what that means is that a super majority of owners can vote to terminate their scheme 
against the wishes of a minority mm. and then proceed to either sell the property as a whole or redevelop it themselves. So that means that you could have your apartment sold against your will. Mm. That's the outcome of that change. Now, that legislation's been passed. That law exists. It hasn't come into effect yet because the government's working out the finer details and they're doing that through drafting the regulations that go along with the legislation. So the latest discussion is that the new law might come into effect around September of this year, but that might change. Mm, I think I might have heard last week that November might have been an updated date. I'm not sure where I heard that though, so... Who knows? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> these things change. It takes time to get these um, regulations right and it's a good idea to, to take yeah. the time to get them right rather than bring them in when they're not perfect. Mm. So all of that sounds pretty scary and it is a really significant change, but there are also a lot of safeguards in place in the new legislation to protect the rights of that minority. So if you are one of the 25% or the 20% or the 5% who voted against this, there are many safeguards in the new legislation. So some examples of those, there's lots of requirements about people being given notice that something might be happening. The vote is going to be a secret vote. So there'll be a secret ballot. So your, your neighbours won't know which way you voted. So there's less likely to be pressure to vote one or other way. The court has to ratify the decision and has to determine that it's fair and equitable. There's a requirement that you'll get fair value for money for your property. And there's also an appeals process. The other thing as well to keep in mind is that this isn't going to happen everywhere and because it won't be profitable to redevelop a lot of the strata schemes that are out there at the moment. And our research has indicated that, you know, the cost of knocking down and rebuilding a building is likely to make it too high to be feasible in a lot of cases. Mm. So the most likely scenarios where it may happen, there's two major ones. One is if you've got an existing old and run-down strata scheme that's in an expensive suburb. Right. You might be able to make a profit by rebuilding that strata scheme into basically a flashier building. Mm. There might be a profit to be made in doing that. And I think about Sydney's beachside eastern suburbs when you say things like that. Absolutely. And yeah. the, and the um, modelling that we've done, which you can read about in the report if you're interested in more, mm. um, does indicate that the eastern suburbs is a, the area where you're more likely to see that kind of process. The other time where it might be feasible is where there's an existing strata building that's not as dense as buildings are allowed to be. So if you live in a, say, a one or a two-storey strata building and you're in an area that's been rezoned mm. to allow much higher densities, then there might be a profit to be made in redeveloping. Going from six units to 60 units, you can see that there, there might be a profit. So Essentially, what that means is if you're living in a well-maintained building in an area that hasn't been rezoned, you're not likely to see much pressure mm -hmm. for this kind of thing to happen for your building. Mm. It's certainly something that property developers are aware of because I know I have and I'm sure my lawyer colleagues have had some inquiries from developers and clients or potential clients interested in this new legislation, wanting to understand how it works and how they might use it. But I also suspect that a lot of them don't appreciate the complexities of what's involved and that, as you say, not every building is going to be ripe for this kind of redevelopment. Developers are going to have to look at how profitable it is, what they're up against dealing with councils and how long it's going to take too. I've had a couple of developers ask me, oh, Amanda, how long do you think this whole process will take? And I have to say, look, I really have no idea because we do have to go through that process of 
applying to the court and making sure that everything is just and equitable and you don't know the attitudes of the owners that you're going to be dealing with. And I think there's certainly avenues there to make it a long drawn out process if you have unhappy owners. Absolutely. And I mean, a lot of the safeguards in the legislation, which are essential, do also add time to mm. the whole process. So you're not talking about months, you're talking about years Yes, um, for this this kind of a process to play out. And that's important as well in terms of if you are an owner and you are involved in something like this, you need to keep in mind that the housing market fluctuates mm. and that the you know the, the figures that you get worked up at the beginning of talking about this might change um, depending on whether the housing market's on the way up or on the way down during mm. that long drawn out process of of planning for this kind of renewal. Yeah, really good point. Okay, Hazel, can I ask you to share a story about how someone living in Strata might be affected, good or bad, by these reforms? I'm sure in your research you came across a few stories. <laughs> sure. So because the legislation isn't in effect, I can't talk about how the changes have actually affected people, mm. um, but I can share some kind of examples of issues that people we spoke to as part of the research raised. Yep, great. So one woman we spoke with, had been renting a unit in the eastern suburbs and she had experienced being evicted from her property because that building was being demolished and rebuilt. Wow. And she was really frustrated because she was given very little notice and wasn't told that this was going to occur. So she was a tenant. So obviously under the current law, there needs to be 100% approval. So yep. the, all the owners in that building have approved the demolition of the building yep. and she's been caught up in that as a tenant and really having no say in that decision. Yeah, and she didn't know that that was on the cards mm. until she was given the minimal notice that she was required to be given under her lease. Because she lived in a beachside suburb, and she was asked to move during a time when those units were very popular, she ended up having to rent a place that was quite expensive. And had she been given more time, it would have been a better outcome for her. So we're actually hopeful that the new laws are going to improve that and mean that tenants will be given more notice mm, um, when, when something like this is proposed. We're not entirely sure because a lot of those details are going to be worked out in the regulations, mm. but it is something that, that's been discussed. So that might be a positive, a positive. yeah, <laughs> a silver lining in the at cloud it. at least. Yeah. The other, the other issues that just kept coming up were people were concerned about elderly residents who'd been living in their properties for a long time. Yep. And there were basically, there were three big concerns that they had and they were raised a number of times. The first was about how elderly people would manage the move itself mm. and potentially two moves. So if they were going to move out and then move back into the redeveloped property, uh, whether that was actually feasible for somebody who was, was frail. Mm. The second was about making sure that people weren't taken advantage of by speculative developers as a result of them not really having a full understanding of the value of their property or of the potential uplift in the value of the land through redevelopment and not negotiating hard enough for a good enough outcome. Yeah. And the third was about whether older people who were living in more run-down blocks in expensive areas would actually be able to afford to remain in the area mm. should their building be redeveloped and making sure that the compensation that they got was sufficient to be able to buy a new property in the same area because being able to stay in your local area is very important for most people, yeah. but especially so as, as you get older 
Mm. in terms of community connections and access to services and those kinds of things. So the impact of this on, on older people in particular was a concern that was raised in pretty much all sectors and yep. everyone that we spoke with. Okay. So there's some of the challenges you've touched on there that owners and residents might face when they're dealing with this new model. Are there any other challenges that you're expecting maybe strata managers or strata communities as a whole to face when they're dealing with a process of renewal or redevelopment? Yeah. In terms of strata managers and executive committee members, mm. the biggest thing is going to be explaining the process to everyone. Yes. You know, it, it is a complicated process, as you've alluded to earlier. There are lots of protections in there, but it's not the easiest process to navigate. Yep. Another thing that's going to be tricky, I think, is responding to people's concerns. People are going to be emotionally invested in this issue, mm -hmm. and they should be. It's right that they are. But when people are emotionally invested in an issue, it becomes more difficult yep. to negotiate all of the complexities of working something out. And the other thing is going to be making sure that people are treated fairly and that they're not coerced or pressured into acting in a particular way. Yes. There's there's a lot of money involved in these kinds of deals mm. and it's going to be essential that, that the law is upheld in that regard mm. and that people aren't bullied yeah. into doing something that they're, they're not happy doing. Mm. So just thinking about some ways that strata managers, strata communities might deal with those challenges, I guess we're thinking about things like communication and making sure those lines of communication are open and clear and I suppose from my point of view, that really comes back to education and understanding what the process is, how it works, what's involved, so that you can communicate accurate information, particularly as a strata manager and your committee's relying on you most of the time to guide them. It's going to be really important for strata managers to be up to speed on this stuff and how it works and be able to deliver some quick answers to what will probably be common questions as to what their communities and communities can expect. Yeah, absolutely. And I would expect that we'll be seeing a lot of fact sheets and information mm. sheets coming out over the coming months yep. to, to explain these details to people. I think another another thing that's going to be need to be worked out in the wash really is how individual owners can get the right advice mm. and the type of advice that they can trust in order to make a decision because this hasn't been a particularly common thing to happen up till now. Mm. There aren't experts in this. So working out who to go to to get advice on these things might be tricky in the beginning. Good point. Is there anything that our listeners can do today or quickly to better understand and prepare for these changes? Absolutely. They can take a look at Fair Trading's fact sheets on the new legislation. Yeah, I'll put a link to that in the show notes so everybody knows where to find those. Great. It's also a good idea to register with Fair Trading for email updates. Great tip. Which you can do as well. They can have a look at our reports. Yep. So if you can put a link to them, that would be great. I definitely will, yep. If you just Google renewing the compact city and city futures, you'll find them. Probably a good idea also to keep an eye open for information sessions and events being run by organisations like SCA and OCN. Yep. And another thing I would recommend over the longer term is to read your EC minutes and attend your AGM yes. and see if this issue has been raised in your building and mm. see whether it's going anywhere. Be part of the discussion from the beginning, yeah. Yeah, it's something that we talk about a bit on the podcast, the importance of being active in your community and being involved, reading the 
agenda notices, reading the minutes of meetings, and if you can, go to the meeting and get involved in the discussion. It's the best way to learn and it's the best way to prepare for these kinds of changes. And it might be a quick way to find out too whether this change even applies to you, whether it's something that your building is even thinking about, whether your building's even been approached by potential stakeholders, whether it's something that can happen, as you say, Hazel, some buildings just won't have the correct zoning and they won't be profitable for renewal or redevelopment. So you can probably find out those things by asking questions of your committee and your fellow owners and your strata manager. Okay, all good stuff. Hazel, I want to ask you what books you've read that have had the greatest impact on you and why. Okay. I'm going to cheat a bit on this. I'm going to talk about a book that I'm currently reading. Great. So I haven't finished it. It's a book called Mongrel Cities by Leonie Sandercock. And it's a book about city planning and multiculturalism. But it's much more than that, I think. I think it's a manifesto for bringing personal experiences into planning. Hmm. So it's a very interesting read. Yeah, sounds like it. I'll put a link to that one in the show notes so our listeners know where to find it. Hopefully so, yes, absolutely. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us today, Hazel. Before we wrap up, I want to ask you, how can listeners find out more about you and is there anything you'd like to add before we say goodbye? Visit our website, which is www.cityfutures.net.au and have a scroll through and look at the great research we've been doing. I think that's about it. Fabulous. Thanks so much for your time. And you have always had a lot to offer this sector and you and your colleagues and academics in the area are doing some really important work, keeping us all up to date on these issues. And without your research, um, we wouldn't have this toolkit that we now have to deal with some very important changes. So thank you for that and keep up the good work. Thanks very much. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Your Strata Property, the podcast which consistently delivers to property owners reliable and accurate information about their strata property. You can access all the information below this episode via the show notes at www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. You can also ask questions in the comments section, which Amanda will answer in her upcoming episodes. How can Amanda help you today? 